Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,538. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm very revved up and excited to talk with you today with a very special guest, Sam Schwartz. He's calling in from uh, New York. Sam Schwartz is the CEO of Sam Schwartz Transportation Consultants. It's a firm that specializes in transportation planning and engineering. He also writes a column on traffic for the New York Daily News. Previously, Sam was the New York City Traffic Commissioner, and was the chief engineer of the New York City Department of Transportation. I cannot imagine the work involved there. He started with transportation career in the late 60s as a New York City cabbie. Who's better to evolve into knowing about traffic than a New York City cabbie? And joined the traffic department as a junior engineer way back in 1971. Sam has authored the books titled No One at the Wheel, Driverless Cars, and The Road of the Future back in 2018 and Street Smart, The Rise of Cities and the Fall of Cars back in 2015 that lay out the recipe for cities faced with rapid changes in modes, automation, demographic shifts, and travelers' preferences. Sam has been the adjunct professor for 40 years at some of New York City's most respected colleges and universities. They include Cooper Union, Long Island University, Hunter College, and Brooklyn College. I'm excited to come back and talk with Sam, but first we're going to say thank you to our sponsors that make this show possible, and we will be right back. Do you know the best way to protect your special vehicle, both the inside and the outside, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, back when I was in high school. I've been around a long time. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking brand new. And they have manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design for a very long time. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom pattern vehicle covers, and they're crafted to fit tens of thousands of patterns, and that's growing. You can choose from a dozen fabric options and accessories all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. I protected my rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you know what? You should too. And I've got a deal for you. Right now, you can get 10% off your order using a special Cars Yeah code. The code is Yeah120. Use that code when you check out and you get 10% off your order. What a deal. That's at Covercraft.com. Be sure to use the code Yeah120 at checkout for your 10% off. That's Covercraft.com. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car or if you have 200 in your garage. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get an exclusive SCM Guide to Restoration Shops included for free. And I've got a couple very cool offers. One is if you go and subscribe to their digital subscription, you're going to get 50% off using the code 
cars. Yeah, that's right. 50% off their digital subscription. But wait, that's not all. If you go and subscribe and get their print magazine and use the code BSH, you get $10 off. That's right, $10 off. Why BSH? Well, that's the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast that I do every Tuesday with Keith Martin. You'll find it here on the Cars yeah! website or using your mobile device with any mobile device podcast app, or you can find it at sportscarmarket.com. That's Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. Hey, Sam, welcome to Cars yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, I've been buckled up since 1966. <laughs> I, I even put... I put buckles in my 1960 Chevy Impala. I was one of the first to to put a seatbelt in. Well, smart man that you are. That's very cool. Way back to 1966. Yeah, in fact, uh, I had an old 66 uh, GT350 Shelby Mustang, and it didn't have back seat buckles. And my kids were little, or buckles, or bucks, <laughs> buckles. Yes, the seat belts. I should say with buckles. Uh, in the back. So I installed those so that I could give my kids ride around. So you'd be proud of me for that. We're going to have some fun talking about this incredible uh, life you have. And God, there's so much to cover. We could probably do 10 shows here about what's changed in traffic. And now with Ubers, autonomous cars, I mean, all these crazy things that are happening. But before we start, I would love for you to share one little thing about Sam Schwartz that most people don't know. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a lover of parks. I can spend hours and hours and even days just wandering around parks. People think I'm always around cars and always around traffic and transportation, but I really like the silence or the silence of birds and and the movement of trees in parks. Of course, you lived in a city that had one of the best parks on the planet, Central Park there, which is what a wonderful idea uh, those original planners had to put that there. I mean, who'd have thought if they hadn't done that, it'd just be more buildings and more streets and everything. What a nice respite from the city life. I think that's fantastic. And it's really kind of interesting given the career that you've had working with traffic and moving people and cars and trucks and vehicles and all that. Let's start with a, a mantra or a quote, some kind of success quote that has meaning for you, Sam. Nice way to get the inspirational tires turning a little bit here on Cars, yeah? So I'll let you take the wheel. Sure. Um I, you know, I was a teenager when John F. Kennedy became president. And at that time, he asked us all, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you could do for your country. And I, I always took that to mean public service. And when I finally uh, did get a job, I spent 20 years in public service. And to this day, I think it's the noblest profession. And I think in these days, when we see what our public servants are doing during the COVID-19 virus, how they're out there every single day and putting their own lives at risk. And they do that all the time. And when I worked for the city, it was I reported during every emergency and was out there and felt that kind of obligation. So I respect our, our emergency responders. I, I respect all of our government employees, all the people that are serving us day in and day out. Yeah, you know, you, you strike a, a really important chord, especially today with what we are dealing with right now. People that go out and put their life on the line, and now we see people literally putting their life on the line uh, where they could become ill and uh, could take a very bad turn for the worse. But 
You know, you strike something important here, and I usually stay, we won't go down a political road here because I kind of stay out of those. This is cars, yeah. But what John F. Kennedy said back then, which it seems like nowadays we've taken a complete flip-flop. It's like so many people expect our government and those around us to do things for us versus we do things for them. And right now we're all being asked to uh, stay inside and don't go out if you can't and be careful. And you still see people that just are ignoring all of this. Why do you think that our transition, I should say, has happened? Because you worked in the public sector. You've been around a long time. Um, You and I are uh, both baby boomers, I believe. Um, So we've seen a transition. Why do you think that's happened? You know, I don't have a really uh, good reason. I know as a baby boomer, and I'm I'm an old baby boomer, <laughs> uh, born in 1947, we thought we changed the world in the 1960s. We we took uh, John F. Kennedy, and I, and again, it's not even political. Uh, you know, it it didn't matter who the administration was, and it didn't matter whether you were in a Republican administration. When I started working for the mayor, it was a Republican mayor, so it, it transcended all of that. And I don't know where it went, but uh, we always thought that we would be working for the greater good. And then at some point, there were some turns, maybe some things of the financial crisis in the 70s and in the 80s that just took uh, some of the puff out of that balloon that maybe we naively believed would always carry us upward and to better places. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe though, when we get through this crisis we're in now, and I believe we will, it will help people see things in a different light. Maybe people will think more about preparing themselves and taking care of themselves, being a little more self-sufficient, not so reliant on the government to come in and rescue them. Because now we're seeing today that, man, you might not be rescued. There might be too much to, too much to handle there, but also just helping our fellow citizens, uh, and we're seeing a lot of that happening now, which brings a smile on my face to the elderly people that really need help right now to protect them so that they get through all of this. But uh, it was a great quote, and it really needs to be brought back. That's for sure. Well, let's get back to cars a little bit and talk about your business and your career. I'd love for you to share more about your business, how it relates to transportation, the automotive industry. I have a little bit of a uh, in-house uh, passion for this because my wife was a civil engineer for 11 years before she decided to stay home and raise our children. Uh, so she taught me a lot about designing streets and sewer systems and plot maps and planning environmental uh, areas for housing tracks. So uh, I love that whole thing. My dad was an architect, so it kind of, they always used to banter back and forth. And you'll like this very much, Sam. Uh, my wife used to say to my dad, oh, you architects, you're the guys with the rubber rulers. <laughs> I think you know what she means. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your business. I'd love for you to share a lot more about it. Sure, but you know, I'd, I'd like to. My business really has its basis in the in the years that I spent working for the city, mm-hmm. and uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about traffic. It was in 1971. I did get my start. There was a whole realization that was slowly, slowly coming around that we couldn't just keep building highways and think we would solve our problems, mm-hmm. that there there had to be a more balanced kind of transportation system. You know, then through this, the late 70s, the city went broke and the infrastructure began failing. So I got a very quick lesson in bridges while I 
I had a little bit of structures in college. Uh, I wasn't a structural engineer, yet bridges were collapsing around me. So I very quickly learned that. So in 1990, a new mayor came in. And despite my belief that I was indispensable to the city, uh, the new mayor thought otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I began working for another consultant. And then five years later, started my own business, Sam Schwartz Engineering. By the way, when I left the city, I started writing the column for the New York Daily News called Gridlock Sam. And the reason I'm called Gridlock Sam is (laughs) I released the word gridlock to the public lexicon in 1980 on the third day of a transit strike. Wow. Uh, And I was the chief architect, although I'm an engineer and I understand all of that, but the the chief architect of the city's response plan, transportation response plan to the strike. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a column for the New York Daily News, and now it's 30 years later. Wow. I'm still writing that column. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) And I I haven't counted, like you, I haven't counted how many columns I've written, but it's got to be in the thousands at this point. I would think so, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And um, what I did when I started the company, it was really almost an extension of my government service because I I knew how the government worked and I learned so much. I got a a million dollar education from the city of New York in traffic engineering and transit and structural engineering and bridges and how streets work. And I began to offer that. And it was just me. My son was home. Uh, He he didn't even start college. He was going to Syracuse. He was about to be a freshman. So maybe it's a crazy time to start a business. But uh, soon it went from, I was teaching at Cooper Union at the time. So it was me, my son, and then I had a few of my few students as interns. Soon it went from one person to five people and it, it kept growing. And we started to work on infrastructure projects first around the city of New York. And as as time went on, the company got bigger. 9-11 happened, which uh, we were right in the middle of it. I lived across the street from the World Trade Center, and oh my gosh. we were called in almost immediately to restore transportation services. So we lived with that for a while. Just about the time of the recession, I decided to go national because we were beginning to get requests to work in other jurisdictions. And today, in our in my businesses, which include a couple of businesses offering transportation services, we're about 200 people. Wow. And we are in on the West Coast, in the Bay Area. We work in Seattle. We work in Los Angeles, in Chicago, in Tampa, uh, in D.C., in New Jersey, of course, New York, White Plains, and a number of other places. And we've done some international work as well. And the kind of work that we do is part of it is for government. We will have government say, can you help us with our road system? Can you help us develop a long-range transportation plan? Can you help us with rail? And we get pulled in on some of the most complex jobs. I wish we'd get the easy jobs. But <laughs> well, <laughs> we anybody, the tough anybody could do those, Sam. <laughs> I know, I know. I would just like to sit back, but uh, you know, I don't know if your listeners would know anything about what's called the BQE triple cantilever, but it's a roadway built in Brooklyn in Brooklyn Heights with the most beautiful view of the waterfront from a promenade that sits atop it. But it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's four levels of roadway and uh, including the promenade, one on top of each other built by Robert Moses 70 years ago, and it's falling apart. Yeah. And so how do you rebuild that and not 
overload the community and destroy a community. Yeah, we've been given, you know, the tough airports, LaGuardia on the East Coast, which I'm sure some of your listeners have heard about. It's been called the third world airport by our leading politicians. Uh, We're now working at LAX on the West Coast as well. So they're having huge tough times as they rebuild their airports from uh, the World Trade Center to a roadway outside of across the river from Detroit. We built a roadway the Windsor-Essex Parkway, which we called Greenlinks at the time, or we conceived the design for it, using Central Park as an example. You mentioned Central Park, and what I was eager to somehow work it into the conversation once you mentioned it is to tell you that the first person that thought of solving an intersection problem of traffic meeting other traffic at an intersection through grade separation, elevating one above the other, was Frederick Law Olmsted doing it in the 1860s in Central Park. So you have you have crossroads that are going underneath. Of course, it was horse carriages at the time. And then you had horse carriages above. And they didn't intersect because somebody had to come up with that idea. And I've studied this. And the first time I could find it is in Central Park, where we have grade separation. So I've always been an admirer of Frederick Law Olmsted, and Central Park, of, of course, is his best known. I grew up in Brooklyn, and I spent a lot of time at what I consider his greatest gem, but that's a Brooklynite talking, <laughs> uh, Prospect Park. Yeah. So I, I, try, I said, what if I was brought into the city of Windsor, Ontario, right opposite Detroit, a car capital? Ontario is a car capital, as is Michigan and Windsor and the neighboring communities, very much the car capital. Yet they did not have a highway, a limited access highway that led right to the border to a bridge to cross into Detroit. So all of these trucks carrying parts for cars, all part of the industry, were riding on a local street called Huron Church and other local streets in Windsor. And they, were, they wanted me to come up with a concept for a highway that could be built in the 2000s that didn't destroy the fabric of the city and the community next to LaSalle, which is as big a car production area as there is uh, in North America. And so that's when I went back to Frederick Olmsted, who built Central Park, which has hardly anybody realizes it, but it's New York City's biggest highway. Yeah. It has yeah. it has six, 16 lanes. Uh, eight of them go under the park. Two of them go across the park, three north, three south. But he did it in such a way that you never feel like it's separating the city. The people on Fifth Avenue, Central Park West, Central Park South, Central Park North all feel connected. Yeah. Wow. So we designed a highway that included Olmsted's concept of that great separation. So the people in the community were able to cross the highway in park-like settings, had amenities, you could walk, you could walk, you could bike. And we had a full six-lane highway built to modern standards that could take those trucks and all the traffic through the busiest crossing that we have between in North America. Certainly the biggest crossing for a commercial crossing that we have in North America. And the and it did not destroy the community. Wow. What a fast, it's just fascinating. I mean, the complexity of these things that those of us who are not 
engineers and designers driving around that we take for granted how they they work. Now, we certainly know the ones that don't work because we're cursing them and sitting in traffic and stuck and thinking, who on earth designed this crazy thing? What were they thinking? But that is fascinating. You know, I always ask my guests about a, a, a big challenge. I mean, no doubt you've been faced with many, many, many challenging things. Would you say that's one of the, the greatest ones that you felt that you overcame in a very successful way? Well, I am extraordinarily proud of it. And yes, I feel really good about it. But, you know, I, I, I've had a number of them that certainly rank right up there, including running the city during a transit strike, oh, bridges, yes, yeah. uh, you know, col- collapsing around me. You know, people uh, probably don't recall in the 1980s, bridges were collapsing around the United States. Actually, uh, quite a few every single year. Fifteen people in the New York, Connecticut area died in bridges collapse bridge collapses in that decade. So uh, I I was challenged with saving a bridge called the Williamsburg Bridge, a bridge built from 1896 to 1903 that was literally breaking in front of our eyes. Pieces of it fell into the river, actually struck a ship causing a fire. Uh, We had calculations that said by 1995 and and the year that I'm studying this is 86 to 89, that by 1995, the, the bridge would sag, the cables would fail on the bridge, and the bridge at any point might have several thousand people on it. Wow. And oh my gosh. the city, as I said before, had no money. And the federal government didn't want to give the city money because it was an old bridge. And they said, hey, you know, why give you $250 million when you could build a new bridge for that amount of money? Which wasn't true, but that was the challenge that they gave us. And they said, just build a new bridge. Take the communities of Williamsburg and Brooklyn and the Lower East Side in Manhattan, which are blighted communities, those are their words, and you know they're not worth anything. Well, anyone who has been to Williamsburg, Brooklyn, knows it's now the, the epicenter, the model for millennial living yes. <laughs> yeah, around, yeah. around the, the country. Everybody's trying to emulate it. It has come back to life. And so one of the things I was able to prove to the feds is I could rebuild the Williamsburg Bridge, even with what they called substandard features. The substandard features didn't make it any less safe. I proved that. And I was able to save the bridge. And the bridge is going to go on. Now it's 117 years old. It's now going to go on for another 117 years. Boy, we could talk about these projects forever. We don't have forever today, but those are fascinating projects. Let's take another short break, thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. And we're going to dive a little bit into your personal passion for cars. We'll be right back. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover 
and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we are back, and I would love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Maybe a first car you got, or maybe it was more of a pivotal moment in your life when you went, I, I like cars. I think this is pretty cool. Now, we might want to translate this into transportation because of what you do, but you take it anywhere you want to take it, Sam. Sure. You know, I, I as I said, I was born in 47. The 1950s were an incredible year in terms of car production. Yes. And every year was different. Every year in September, actually starting in August, they would show on television a car behind a screen or or covered with a top. And you couldn't wait to see the car. And every kid on my block in Brooklyn knew the cars, could tell every single car, a 54 from a 55 or a 56, a Chevy Impala from a Malibu, whatever, whatever was the car. And we all took pride in knowing about cars. So I loved that particular decade of cars. When the General Motors fins began to grow out <laughs> until the point that it looked like, like the, a Chevy would, would fly, began yeah. looking like a plane, yep. that was the car I wanted. So when I was 18 years old, 1966, got my driver's license. I had saved up $450 from tips from working, from being a delivery boy in my father's grocery store, a little tiny grocery store in Brooklyn. I bought a 1960 Chevy Impala nice. with those big flat fins Oh yeah, that almost looked like you would go airborne. And sitting in it for the first time, I thought I was the coolest guy around. <laughs> I thought the chicks would just come running to me. I had a lot to learn about chicks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We all did, Sam, back then. <laughs> me included. Well, I, Absolutely. The Impala was a fantastic car because uh, they kind of had taken the vertical fins and laid them down flat at that point in time, which I always found fascinating. And that beautiful roof line with the kind of wraparound windshield, the bubble top, if you will, uh, design. So, yeah, and then that rocket kind of shape, as I recall, going down the side to the back of the fenders. I mean, what a wonderful car. Very, very cool. Well, how about if, if you woke up tomorrow, Sam, and you were a car, you actually manifest as a vehicle, what would Sam Schwartz be? Oh, well, I'd probably be automated. Okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> Okay, and I would probably still have the shape of that Impala. Okay. I still love it. And I would be electric. I'd be very clean in terms of, of energy. I'd be incredibly efficient, and I would be the safest car that you could imagine. Uh, my windows, the fenestration would be amazing. And the Impala did have a lot of that, but there would be just be a continuous wraparound you know, windows. Yeah, yeah, very and, futuristic. Uh, you know, very, very light. And then at, when the weather was perfect, boy, I'd be a convertible. <laughs> you know, this is a pretty cool answer, and it's a very unique answer to this question because most people pick an actual vehicle. But you've picked a lot of concepts around where vehicles are going, but you've added that wonderful historic touch with the Impala, which I think is cool. But I'm not surprised by your answer giving 
what you've worked in and how to move people and vehicles in a way that's efficient and smart. And definitely, oh my gosh, things are changing rapidly. So nice answer to that, my friend. That was a great answer. All right, we're, we're going to do what I call kind of a lightning round, a uh, last lap here. I'm going to toss off some questions to you, get some really quick answers from you from that automated Impala electric safe bubble top can be a convertible vehicle that you are. So here we go. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes in your career and your life over the years? I've always remained athletic, and that meant I was always going outdoors. And I think that that has had a big effect on how I view streets. I played in the streets of Brooklyn, and that affects how I design streets. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, either living or deceased, who would that individual be? I like Bill Ford. He's a car maker and environmentalist simultaneously. So I'd love to sit down with him. That'd be very cool. How about automotive advice that someone else has given you? Can you share a great bit of wisdom? He said, if you're ever going to stall out, do it at top of the hill. (laughs) (laughs) And then you coast down and the car will start up again. (laughs) There you go. That's very smart. Yeah, wait till you're at the top of the hill. Absolutely. How about a resource? There are so many wonderful resources for us these days. Is there one in particular that's a go-to for you? You know, I, I, I go to, I, I still read books. And, uh, and there's a book by Peter Norton called Fighting Traffic. And it's about the period from 1900 to 1930 and how we made so many mistakes. And that's why so many people in cars are suffering today. We made so many mistakes in which we thought we can just put everybody in a car, just widen roads, and the end result is people are moving at 5, 10 miles an hour. These are, that's not what the cars were built for. That's horse and buggy speed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, fighting traffic tells the story when we made the mistake, the turning point. And my new book, No One at the Wheel, says let's not repeat those mistakes going forward no one at the wheel all right very cool well i appreciate that that sounds fascinating you know i think i could talk to you i gotta get you back on the show sometime sam because i'd love to talk to you about a lot of different aspects of traffic and moving and all those kinds of things i think we could have another fun talk we got to get you back on the show here i'll remind our listeners that you can find everything sam has shared on his cars yeah show notes page just type sam schwartz into the search bar and this page will pop right up all right, Sam, here's a fun thought. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. doesn't matter what it is or where it is. I'm going to park it in your garage, but there are some rules to my game since I'm writing the check here. Uh, just like working for bureaucratic cities, you can't just do whatever you want. you got to abide by some of the rules from which the money is coming. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed around here. But it's the only one very cool collector car that you can have. So what can I buy you? A girlfriend of mine way back when had a 1966 Mustang, a a yellow Mustang. That's what I'd want to have in my garage. All right. Now, is this going to be a convertible or a hardtop or a fastback? A fastback. Yeah. And it would go fast. It would go fast. Yeah. I had a 66 GT350 Shelby Mustang that was just a wonderful car, beautiful to look at, and was exactly the same kind of car you're talking about. It just kind of looked fast. Yeah, I remember there was a lady up the street uh, that had a yellow one uh, when I was a kid. Not a Shelby, but a uh, standard model one, but they just they just look so cool. So I would love to park one of those in your garage for you to enjoy. 
Sam, this has been really fun. And again, I really would like to have you back because we didn't have time to touch on some things that I would really love to get your impressions of. Maybe you could come back sometime and visit us when things have returned a little bit more to normal. But I'd love to talk to you a bit about your impressions of autonomous cars, the use of these different technologies and companies like Uber and how people are changing the way they use vehicles these days and this transition that's happening in such a fast way. I love your impressions on that. So maybe we could have you back sometime. Before I let you go, though, could you offer our listeners maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance from an an older baby boomer before you drive off in the sunset in that beautiful fastback Mustang? I want everybody out there, you get behind the wheel of a car. Remember, I was a cabbie, and I was a cabbie in New York City, and you had to be aggressive. Let's end that aggressiveness. Let's just be calm. The stupidest thing you could do on the road, and I call this the stupidest drivers, are the ones that tailgate. You're endangering everybody, including yourself. So stop it. Yeah, yeah. Let's all be a little more kind. Especially this day and age, just be a little more kind. You will eventually get there for sure. Uh, the best way for people to find you is that through your website, Sam Schwartz Transportation Consultants? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So www, just my name, samschwartz.com. There we go. I'll make sure to put a link to that. Check out what Sam is up to. Sam, this has been a really delight to get to talk with you. I can't wait to have you back to talk more about your impressions. I wish you the best health and happiness as we all kind of work our way through this. Thank you for spending some time with us today and being so generous with that time. Until you and I talk, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!